I'd like to thank Aaron K for sponsoring this week's Torah content. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shirim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and access additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishnewest.substack.com. Okay, Q&A. Yeah, right? Oh, I forgot recording. Yeah, I mean, we can stop the recording wherever we want, we want but uh, yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, so this is like, I think it's like a classic question, mm-hmm. but uh, those are the best. But I've been trying to figure it out, and I have like possibilities, but I'm not really sure. So we say like 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 the Rambam at least, right? Or sure everybody says that like uh, the Rambam says like help us shoot, right? We've been doing it that um, Saturday we're from Yom Kippur, right? If you're a Roman so greater than your schoolios, then like you're getting that you're gonna die, right? Shall we see it inside? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> In Gimel. Um, so first, the definition is each and every person has uh, merits and iniquities. So if your merits are uh, outnumber uh, or outweigh your uh, iniquities, then you're a tzaddik. If your iniquities outweigh your merits, then you're a Russia. And if it's half and half, then it's a benoni. And okay, then he goes through the whole process, says that they're not based on quantity, but on quality, and only God can weigh them. And then he says, uh, So just like these are weighed at the time of a person's death, um, just so too on each and every year, so to the iniquities are weighed with the merits of each and every member of humanity on the Yom Tov of Rosh Hashanah. Someone who is uh, found to be a tzaddik is sealed for life on Rosh Hashanah. Someone who's found to be a Russia is sealed for death on Rosh Hashanah. But for the Benoni, it's uh, it's suspended. Ad Yom Kippurim, until Yom Kippurim. Im Asa Teshuva, if he did Teshuva, Nechtam L'chaim, he's sealed for life. Im Lav, Nechtam L'mis, and if not, he's sealed for death. Okay. Yeah. So I'm like that whole thing. And even though, like, even though like, you said, like, oh, and only God can judge it out, can, can weigh the yeah. the Amoros and the Zahronos, right? Zahronos and Zahronos. Like, what does that mean? Like, like what does it mean that someone is uh, sealed for death? Uh, I'm going to specifically pick on the Russia. Yeah. And what does it mean that somebody is sealed for death on Rosh Hashanah? Like, does that mean that, like, going back, hearkening back to your Sunday share, that, like, he's on trajectory, he's going to die uh, this year? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, like, 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 because, and I think my question is really stemming from, like, we all know people, like, know a lot of people who are bad people. Let's put that in quotes, because, again, you can't judge their, uh, their yeah. or whatever. So, like, am I supposed to say that, oh, I just don't know what his videos are, and that's why he's still living? Right. Or is it that like it's not literally that the guy's gonna die this year? Um, or is there something else that I'm saying? Yeah. So what you're really asking for is um no, no. explaining the whole system of uh bonus and judgment. Yeah. No, so so clearly this is a big uh a big um you know topic, right? Uh I have given cheer on this before, but none of them are recorded. Um I'll give you I can give you a quick answer, but uh but I just want to point out a, a bigger question, which is that he in this paragraph, which is like four or five paragraphs in, mm-hmm. he says, just as you are, um, just as this weighing takes place at the time of death, mm-hmm. so too, the Kiddush in this halacha is each and every year, right? So the question is, what was he talking about until now? 
Uh, well, how do you answer that? Um, the Shas Misa. Shas Misa, right? But the problem is he's clearly not talking about that because when he talks about what happens when people are weighed, he says, um, uh, so he says, you know, individuals have this uh, uh, definition and the Medina and then the world. And then he says, Adam Shabonosa Merubin Azuchiosa Miyad Hu Mes right? A person whose iniquities outnumber his Zuchios immediately dies in his wickedness. Okay, Shnemar Al Rov Abonech, due to the abundance of your Abon. Medina Shabonosan Merubin Miyad Hi Obedes, and Medina immediately is destroyed. Shnemar Zaka Sodom Amaraki Raba, the outcry of Sodom and Mora is great. Vachin Koha Olankulo, Imhayo Abonosan Merubin, if the Avonos of the world are greater, Miyad Hi Nishasin, immediately it's, they're destroyed. Shnemar Viar Lukim, Viar Shem Ki Raba, Ras Adam Al Baaretz. Wow, that was an interesting slip. It should be Elohim. <laughs> right? I mean, it's a very Midas Hadin type thing, you know? I mean, just on, on the surface. I, I'm not saying it should be. I'm saying, like, that's why I slipped. Um, uh, so so the thing is, is that here, this can't be talking about Bashas Misaso because he's saying that once you hit this point, then you die or it's destroyed. And, you know, the country's destroyed and the world's destroyed. And furthermore, the other problem is even understanding what he means by miyad. Yeah, yeah I think that's actually been my question. Yeah, right. So, yeah, this whole thing. Yeah. He, yeah. he doesn't think he's asking about the whole thing, but he's asking about the whole thing. Yeah. Um, so the uh, this, I don't know the context <coughs> of Yumiyahu, but clearly in Sodom, uh, when God said this, Zaka Sodom of Amarki Raba, according to the Peshat, okay, uh, let's, let's just see the Peshat here. Um, the Yomra Hashem, so this is talking to Avram. Zaka Sodom Amaraki Raba, the Hatasm Kikav in the Ode, Irida Navere Hakatakasa, Haba Eli Asu Kalav Imlo Eda. So I will go down. So the outcry has become great. I will go down and see whether it is in accordance with their cry that has come up to me, whatever that means. And if so, then I'll do, uh, I'll destroy them. And if not, then I will know, whatever that means, right? So the problem though is it sounds like the Ramam is quoting the saying that it's going to be destroyed immediately, right? But according to Plain Pshat, what happened before he destroyed Sedona Mora? Okay, and he talked to Avram and kicks out low, kicks out low right? So that's that's a whole time period, you know. So you see from here that Miad is not Miad, right? right? And then furthermore, Viar Hashem Kiraba Ras Adam Baaretz, right? There's a lot that happened after that. So, so what, what what's the how long after God saw this did uh did uh what was it until the the Mabel? 120 years, right? Uh, plain, according to Plain Shot and Puzzle Gimel, right? So, so the easiest answer, which is not answering all the questions, when you know the easy answer that people give for this about answering the Miyad question. Yeah, it's like decreed, right? It's like the decree is issued, but then there's like, you know, a process, right? But then the problem is back to the original thing, which is we don't know when this judgment is happening in Halakos Aleph, Bez, Gimel, and uh, halfway through Gimel, right? But it sounds like it's not the Rosh Hashanah. I mean, if you say that, that the decree is, is, is done then, so then what, what does that say about Rosh Hashanah, you know? So like, it, so the, 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 just to frame the questions here, like, do we have two judgments or three judgments? In other words, is it just Shas Misa and Rosh Hashanah? Or is this other whole first couple of paragraphs talking about some other judgments, you know, or is this talking about like absolute Midas Hadin, you know, I don't know. And then how does that judgment interplay with this one? What does it mean to be destroyed immediately? Like when it says he dies, I mean, in the case, so it's tempting to say you don't, it's not talking about literal death, but the problem is Sodoma and Amora and the world was literal death. So like, there's a lot of like, mm, yeah. Um, how does um, how did Medina get to, be rogue of if 
the individual things through in the other? Uh, that's a good question. Also, <laughs> that's a good question. Also, yeah, yeah. So I, um, I've been uh, okay. So uh, the the story is I gave a share on this a long time ago, and I wrote it up, uh, and people have been asking me to repost it, but I, I don't know if the answers are adequate. Um, uh, but there is a there is a derech, okay, for like uh, approaching this whole thing. So I'll give you the keys to the derech, and then you can try to work out all the answers on your own. The the, the key to the, uh, the the derech is what I mentioned in my Sunday share. Uh, what was the Sunday share called? Um, Akiva, probably Akiva's. Yeah, guidelines. Yeah. Um, so it's in Shimona Prakim. Okay. So the um, the key and and, and th- this is so the, the the key came from this question here, which is um, it's a very simple. Sometimes it's the simple little questions that like uh, that get you right. So my question was, Yesh <laughs> Lo. They have Zuchuyos and Vonos, okay? And the Medina um, uh, also has Zuchuyos and Vonos and also the world. So my question was like, what does it mean that they have Zuchuyos and Vonos? And what are Zuchuyos and Vonos? Okay. Um, and uh, like, it's not synonymous with mitzvos and Averos because you do mitzvos and you get Zuchuyos and you do Averos and you get Avonos. Okay. So the answer lies in um, Shmona Prakim chapter two. Um, hold on just a second. Clarity. Okay. Um, in Shimon Prakim chapter two, where the Ramam says, um, Aval Hamaalos Shneminim, sorry, Shnesugim. So virtues uh, or like excellences are of two types. Malos Midosius, Malos Igionios. I'm just going to read it in English. Character perfections and intellectual perfections. And corresponding to them are the two categories of vices and imperfections. The intellectual virtues belong to the rational faculty and include wisdom. Uh, and intelligence uh, and clarity and excellence and comprehension uh, and imperfections are the opposites. And then the perfections of character, we know, right? Okay. So if you look in that parak, I guess I didn't quote this part in the Sunday year. If you look in that parak, which I'll just take here. Oh, sorry, it's not that parak. It's the, uh, if you look in, you know about the muscle of the veils or the mechitos, uh, depending on which translation you use, that, um, yeah. that, Every imperfection that you have is like a veil between you and God, right? So this is in the Shimon of Prakim. So this is in chapter um, seven. Okay. So he says that. Yeah. So he says. Um, uh, so he says, you know, the Harbe Yimsa the Midrashus Vagados Umehem. Do I have this on here? Hold on. Oh, you know what? We'll just we'll just quote the un the unpublished uh uh update. Hold on. He says, Oh, sorry, 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 hold on. One important thing. Okay. So what's the Shorish of Avon? According to this Radak, the Shorish is Avas, okay. Uh, which uh he quotes Sukim, um Yevoshu Zedim Kishekar Ivasuni, they have maligned me with lies. Uh Miuchal Lasakin Asha Ivaso, Frukin straighten what he has twisted. Of he's avsu anshayachal when the powerful men will stoop. Okay, so what would you say? Like these things have like if you had to define avas based on those things, what would you say the core like idea is? It's like taking something and like perverting it. Yeah, it's like a perversion or a distortion or a warping. Okay, and then zechus he says comes from zacha or zachach. Uh, the radakos that those are the same shorish, so it means pure, but it's a specific type of purity, not like tahor pure. Okay, these types of purities are like the way I would define it is like free from adulterants. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, free from things that would like um, sully it. Okay, and he says that's why you call it glass zuchuchis because it's clear. Okay, and then this is what I was about to quote here. In many is Shimon Prakim chapter seven. In many places in the Midrash and the Avada, including some passages quoted in the Talmud, uh, it is stated that there are prophets who see God from behind many veils, and others who see Him behind fewer veils. The difference depends on the extent of their closeness to God and the elevated level of their prophecy. Thus, it is said of Mo- that Moshe saw God behind one clear and shining, i.e., transparent veil. That's the Aspaklaria Hameira. Um, this is what is meant by the expression that He looked through the brilliant looking glass. The term looking glass refers to a lens made from a shining material like diamond or crystal. The intent of the statement is that, as explained in chapter two, which is what we just read, there are intellectual virtues and ethical virtues. Conversely, there are intellectual imperfections, such as foolishness, naivete, difficulty in understanding, and ethical imperfections, gluttony, pride, anger, wrath, brashness, love of money, and the like. Indeed, there are many of these, and we've mentioned the way to distinguish them in chapter four. Here's the key line. All of these shortcomings are the veils that separate between a man and God. This was alluded to in the prophet's statement, it is your avonos that separate between you and your God. Your avonos, namely the shortcomings mentioned, are the veils that separate between us and him. Okay, so put it all together, and here's what you get. Okay, um, when the Ramam says that everyone has zuchios and avonos, okay, what he means is everyone has areas of zuchus is areas of clarity or qualities that give you clarity intellectually and emotionally, and then qualities that adulterate or pervert or distort your your view of reality. Okay, Uh, and those are also intellectual and ethical and countries also have this. Okay, and the world also has this. And if you talk about countries, so we were just talking about I was at um, it's funny. My mom, when my mom was here, she was talking about how we we put we we um, took my grandmother. We took Popo out of the nursing home, uh, the uh, not nursing home, the uh, what do you call it, assisted living place, and then uh, put her into the care of like um, this couple who are certified nurse assistants who are Filipino. Okay, so every person my mom said this to said like, "Oh, Filipinos are so good with like." caring for people. And that is a universal thing. Like in all countries, apparently where there are Filipinos, they make the best nurse uh, nurses and they like are selfless in their, their like care. And it's like a known, like, you know, Rebs and Chait said this and like the worst, you know, it's a known thing. So like you could say that the Philippines, okay. Or whatever Medina, you know, they community, they, they, they come to has the Zuhus of like Bikur Cholin, you know, of like care for the sick or whatever you want, Rahmin, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, and there are clearly avonos, right? Or here's another example. Nazi Germany had the zuchus of being very disciplined and exacting, right? Now, that was a zuchus, which they harnessed for bad purposes, right? Um, so to, um, you know, uh, America, right, th- there is the zuchus of, like, you know, freedom and independence, which many countries don't have. Many countries don't foster a culture in which there's a recognition that you can make whatever choices you want, you know? Um, but then there's also like bad, you know, there's a vonos in America as well, like, like materialism or like, you know, a certain brashness, right. And the world also. So if you look at this entire thing through the, that lens, you can answer a lot of, uh, a lot of questions. Okay. And the approach I took in my article, which again, I'm not so sure about is that in these first halakos, up until he gets to the, the, um, judgment at death in Rosh Hashanah, he is talking about in an, in an absolute sense that when the, the direction that you're taking um, is predominantly like on the road to clarity, so then you're defined as a tzaddik bedin. And if you are predominantly dominated by, um, if you're dominated by your, uh, your avonos, 
then you're a uh, then you're a Russia bedin, you know. But that's talking about the abstract. But there are only two judgments that go on: one on Rosh Hashanah and one on uh, at the time of death. And to answer your original question, the Rosh Hashanah one, at least according to the Ramban. Um, I think this is Machlokas Rishonim, but the Ramban is emphatic that the Chaim and Misa is not Olam Hava. It's all Olam Hazeh stuff. Ramam also says it says that in the Pirish Mishnayos, because he says um, uh, in the Pirish Mishnayos that I read in the Sunday Shir, that, um, that God sentences them on Rosh Hashanah, whether to health or disease, death or life, and other human circumstances. Okay, so plain shot is that there is a judgment based on your Zhus Avon, you know, balance which will determine whether you will die that year. Okay. Uh, and so um, uh, that, that's the answer to your question with a lot of like keys in between. And like, again, the, the fun part now is you got to go through all of the um, paragimel and see if you could work out everything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> also that last line, the court of the Rambo. Oh yeah. Is, uh, the, um, the shot of this statement is clear to all who see it, but it's secret meaning and concepts are exceedingly difficult without a doubt. Yay. Yep, exactly. That's that's how he would answer the question. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Good question, though. Yeah. Sorry that was a little bit longer than usual, but uh, I think it's important for this time period. Yeah, David? That's something shorter. Yeah. Do you know off the cuff what the idea of opening the arm at certain times? Is? You know, I was wondering that, and I'll tell you the thing that bothered me this year that never has never bothered me before. Feels weird that we close it for Kedusha. Yeah. You know? Um, so I that was my first clue. I was, I, this is totally based on my own thoughts. I haven't read anything uh, that um, that it clearly doesn't have to do with the importance of what we're saying, because Kedusha is the most important thing. Uh, cottage is the most important thing. So my theory, and I don't know, is that uh, that we open it when we're talking about God's Malchus in Putin. Okay. And this is a theory not even based on facts, just based on like, while I was like musing, I was like, oh, I wonder if like all for all the Melch stuff. Oh, the other reason why the other clue for this is that in the Melch uh, Elyon, we close it for the Melch Evion parts. Yeah. Right. So that to me, like indicates that we're doing this for like God's uh, Malchus. And then, you know, I, we, I think uh, uh, um, uh, I think uh, I think we open it for that, you know, and um, we open it for that. Okay, and do you have any idea what doing that has any relevance to if it were to be Malchus? I'll answer it based on the Rambam. I don't know if this is just me, uh, you know, projecting onto the Minhag, but in Sefer Torah, chapter 10, last halacha, uh, it says, Anyone who sits in front of a Sefer Torah sits with a solemn head with awe and dread because the Sefer Torah is the trustworthy witness uh, on all humanity. It should be there for you as a test, uh, as a witness. <clears throat> and uh, you should honor according to your capacity. Uh, anyone who desecrates the Torah, his body will be desecrated over people. I have no idea what this means. Anyone who honors the Torah, his body will be honored over people. But then there's one more also. Um, uh, no. Okay, fine. So we stand up for it. Yeah. So I, I, I think this is the one I wanted to quote that, um, that there is an idea of when you're before a Sefer Torah, then you have a feeling of dread and awe. Um, uh, and the Sefer Torah is the, what testifies uh, against you. 
you know, that it is the, whatever that means, right. That like all of the, you know, the, 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 uh, bris and the Allah that they had to take at the, uh, you know, in these, these last partios is, uh, you know, with the clothes clo- on the clothes is all like dependent on like, you know, on that. So like it would be appropriate to evoke awe and dread to have the Torah open, uh, the ark open that the Torahs are there. You know, you, I know I, I realize halakhically you don't have to stand unless the Torah is in motion, but like the idea of seeing the uh, the Torah, you know, um, and, and even in the wrong, it's funny, he says, even when you're sitting before the Torah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, like when the Torah is being read, like you should have this feeling, you know, certainly when you're sitting uh, with the Torah, you know. Um, so that's my, that's my, my theory. Okay. I'm not based on facts at all. Okay. Just based on observations. Yeah. It's definitely a good Kavana that you can use. Let's put it that way. Yes, that's right. Yeah. 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 That. yeah. Okay. Next. Yeah. Isaac. Um, so it's, I think, um, there's a lot of statements in the Hazal about like, I, I don't remember it in the end, but of like, but like using like every moment. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know. I just feel like that's like an impossibly high bar. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like using every moment or using every moment for like serving God well it's like well, we, I don't know what, what do you mean by that well I mean I, I you said, <laughs> you're always using every moment yeah. right but you mean yeah. uh yeah okay. yeah but like I'm saying like utilizing every moment yeah um I don't know, um, and, uh, like um um um, no, okay, so the question is like, that's an impossibly high bar, right? Yeah. So the simple answer is that that's something to strive for, right? And you can get closer and farther, okay? But I saw a great quotation in yesterday's, hopefully all of you saw it because you all get the, the James Clear 3 to 1 email. Uh, okay, um, um, great quote uh, that I saw yesterday, which is from Annie Diller, the writer. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. What we do with this hour and that one is what we are doing. A schedule defends from chaos and whim. It is a net for catching days. Okay, so that is a scary statement, not the last part. But how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. And the reason why it's scary is because oh, and what we do this hour and that was what we were doing. So think think about your like your your, your life. And someone says, oh, you know, what do you what are you doing these days? Or or what are you how are you spending your life? You'll give an answer, okay? Whatever that answer is, you'll give an answer, right? But then if you look at the days and the hours in the day, can you actually like to what extent are you actually like using your hours and your day and your days like that? In other words, if you were using your hours for that then that makes up your days. And then you're using your days for that. And then you can say, that's what I'm doing with my life, you know, but so much of our life is like frittered away with things that are not in line with what we conceive of that we are doing with our days. In fact, it's a puzzle in Mishlei, which I forgot if we did um, last year. Misrape um, uh, Bimalakto, does that, does that ring a bell? Two years ago. Two years ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 18. Wow. That was early on two years ago. Yeah. Wow. That must have been like in November. Um, so there's a puzzle in Mishle. Gam bimisrape bimalachto ahulabal mashkis. So even one who is lax in his work is a brother to the either uh, the master of destruction or to the um, master of waste. Okay. Depending on how you just say, like, baltashkis is like waste, but hashkas is like destruction. Okay. So the question is, what does Misrabi Bimalakta mean? 
right? What does it mean to be lax in your work? What's the gum coming to add? Uh, and then who's this Bal Mashkis and why are you a brother to him? Okay, right? So I don't know what we said then, but I know my shot uh, from like when I taught this in high school is um, it feels like I'm robbing you of like Michelin learning opportunities if I just like give it over like that. But like, you know, is um, that the, the Bal Mashkis is someone who's actively destroying something. Okay. Um, uh, so it's clear that he is like involved in destruction. Okay. The finish of the Pasuk is even the person who is lax in his work, meaning that he is involved in a certain malacha, but he's not doing it with the proper care or time or dedication or focus. Okay. Passive laziness also causes destruction. Okay. And the audience of the Pasuk is someone who rationalizes by defining himself as being involved in a certain activity when he's really only doing it in a lax way. And I think the, the example that we can all uh, um, uh, identify with is uh, when you set aside like two hours to like do homework or to study and you have doing that the whole time and then you're doing other stuff during that time. And let's say like of that time, you only, you only get in 30 minutes of deep work. Right. And all the rest of the time you are like, you know, on your phone or like on, on, on you know, YouTube. Or so what you're doing is you're defining yourself if someone said, what are you doing right now? You'd say, oh, I'm working, I'm studying, you know, but that's just a label. And, and the label is not lining up with the actual activity that you're occupying the time with. That's why deep work, the phenomenon of deep work is so important of like turning off your phone and like having times when you're only focusing on just the task at hand, you know? So people do that with life also. Um, and so the reason why I, I'm, I'm answering your question with this quote is, yeah, if you're striving at every moment to be like, Oh, I got to use this time. I got to, you know, that's not going to work. You need a schedule and you need to schedule periods of deep work where you're only involved in that thing. And that will be the net for catching days where you won't lose this time and have all your time accounted for. I think that's the other thing also. That's why in, in Cal Newport's uh, deep work, um, the, uh, the, the time blocking thing, which again, I recommend that you try it out, even though it doesn't work for everyone. It didn't work for me. The whole idea of time blocking which I talked about a lot in self-improvement chat last year is it's not just like you're making a schedule and then like either succeeding or failing to like meet it. You're constantly updating your schedule to reflect how you have used your time. And if there are changes, how are you going to change your schedule for the rest of the time? So you could look back at the, at the end of the day and say, this is how I use every minute of my day, you know, which you can't do if you just make a schedule and then don't stick to it, you know, and you have no idea how many minutes you're using. So I think, the answer to your question is a, it's a bar that you're striving for B schedule and C account. Yeah. Ali. Uh, yeah. Someone similar to that question yeah. is, um, you know, I've come across like two philosophies about living your life. One is that live your life. Like it's your last day Yeah. and live your life prepared for the future. Take that into consideration. Right. And both of those approaches seem pretty extreme. So like where would the middle ground be in terms of how would you, about yeah, that's a good question. Because if you're really living this as though it's your last day, then you're going to take all your money out of the bank account and buy no, like I'm, puppies for children or whatever you yeah, do with your I'm money, not, you know? Yeah, but I'm not sure I understand the second one because you said the second one's extreme. Uh, yeah, because I, I would think if you're only living your life preparing for the future, you have no... You're not living in the present. Right. Right, yeah, yeah, right. Um, right. I think you were saying taking the future, just... Taking the future into account. Oh, yeah, no, maybe I worded that. Okay, but yeah. living for the future. Yeah. yeah, but also there's a question of like, you know, at what point do you stop preparing and start living? Not that it's a specific point, but like, you know, we, we, we you know, like, let's just take money making, right? Like, 
you want to make enough money to be able to like provide for your future, right? But you would say that if there's a uh, when I was re okay, I was rereading. Um, uh, sorry. Uh, another thing to reread during the show is Mechuva. If you haven't, well, okay, let's, let me put it this way. L'chatchila, you should reread it. But the Ebed, you should read it. <laughs> okay, if you have never read this yet. Um, where is the translation? Um, he gives this great example at the end. I think it's at the very end. Can you push the link for this? Sure. Uh, if I don't remember, then remind me. Um, yeah, he's uh, so he gives a lot of examples from like Romans. Um, so he says, um, let's just start from the beginning of the paragraph. And so, so when you see a man often wearing the robe of office, when you see one whose name is famous in the forum, do not envy him. Those things are brought at the price of his life, of life. They will waste all their years in order that they may have one year reckoned by their name. Life has left some in the midst of their first struggles before they could climb up to the height of their ambition. Some, when they have crawled up through a thousand indignities to the crowning dignity, have been possessed by the unhappy thought that they have but toiled for an inscription on a tomb. Some who have come to extreme old age, while they adjusted it to new hopes as if it were youth, have had it fail from sheer weakness in the midst of their great and shameless endeavors. Shameful is he whose breath leaves him in the midst of a trial when advanced in years and still courting the applause of an ignorant circle. He is pleading for some litigant who is the veriest stranger. Disgraceful is he who, exhausted more quickly by his mode of living than by his labor, collapses in the very midst of his duties. Disgraceful Disgraceful is he who dies in the act of receiving payments on account and draws a smile from his long delayed heir. Here's the example. I cannot pass over an instance which occurs to me. Sextus Turenius was an old man of long-tested diligence who, after his 90th year, which you got to remember back then in Rome, it's probably really rare to live to 90, having received release from the duties of his office by Gaius Caesar's own act, so basically the Caesar made him retire, ordered himself to be laid out on his bed and to be mourned by the assembled household as if he were dead. The whole house bemoaned the leisure of its old master and did not end its sorrow until his accustomed work was restored to him. Okay, right? In other words, they mourned and did like a mock funeral until like they gave this guy his job back. Is it really such pleasure for man to die in harness? Yet many have the very same feeling. Their desire for their labor lasts longer than their ability. They fight against... Okay, he goes on. So in other words... We would all say it's absurd. This guy works to his 90s and keeps on working and like bemoans <laughs> the fact that he can't continue to work, you know? Um, so like at a certain point, you'd be like, okay, like, like live, you know? Um, so I think that's like the, the question. Um, yeah. So how do you, how do you resolve that? Uh, how do you, okay, there's no resolution. Okay. And the reason why there's no, so uh, Donnie Kuznicki asked me this on my Sunday share. I don't know if you heard the answer, but, um, but, uh, but uh, I, one of the things I said in the Sunday share is it is a tension that only exists because we don't know when we're going to die. Okay. Which I think is an important thing, which is that if you knew when you were going to die, then that would be, that would not be a contradiction, right? Because then you could plan and then use your time wisely. The only problem is like, you don't know when you're going to die. Right. Um, and uh, the, um uh, so, so the question is not how you resolve it because you're never going to resolve it. The question is how do you grapple with the tension? Yeah, yeah. I would go first step, but I'm always going to cheat and use your idea of living your uh, living your life as a living whatever today is if it's your last. Yeah. Day. So, um, so the idea. Yeah, uh, if you want to say it, you yeah, can say so, it. Yeah. So like, uh, what was the idea of uh, living every day as if it's your last? Is that in reality, like this is the last uh, today? that you'll ever have. I mean, like, this is the last time that the six of us will be sitting here talking about this specific thing with that on the board. And in, in that sense, every day, every moment you have is the last day, the last moment that you will, that you will have. So, um, so I think that's a great idea, but I don't think it answers Ellie's specific think, question, well, right? Cause I the question is, 
on that last day yeah. that you're going to have. So do you, to what extent do you use it to prepare for the future? And to what extent do you use it to like, like, you know, like, like let, let me give an example. If you don't mind the example that you said yesterday, like David was saying how, like he had a certain amount of time that he could choose. Was this Friday, uh, Rosh Hashanah night, yeah. right? Choosing, do I get more sleep or do I go on a walk? Because like whatever reflections I have, like will be like handy. So if you know you're going to die the next morning, definitely don't sleep. That's a waste of time. Like go on the walk, you know? And so, so the, so the question is, if you take this realization and play it out here, right. This is the last time you're going to have to go on this walk, right. Uh, On this night. But what do you do? Do you get a better sleep because you have Rosh Hashanah tomorrow or do you use it for reflect? You know, like it doesn't, it doesn't help answer the question necessarily, you know, because it, 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 it reframes the way of thinking about today as your last day yeah. from like, I'm literally going to die tomorrow to, um, this is the last chance I have to do this specific thing. Meaning, cause in that, in that scenario, I can say, fine, you're right. This is the last time you can have a chance to, uh, to uh, take this walk. But also yeah. the last time you have a chance to get an extra hour of sleep before this Rosh Hashanah. Right. So it, so, so how does it help you resolve the, oh, or, uh, I don't know if it helps okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it helps, it helps reframe the ones, the one side of the extreme, which is that don't think about your life as if you're not necessarily like every single moment as if you're literally going to die. Right. Obviously it's possible, but like, if you think about that, then you're not going to be able to move forward. Right. Um, and at least then, like, you have some wiggle room to, like, start thinking forward. Yeah. So I, I do agree that that it helps you to have a, the most realistic perspective that you could die and that you could um, uh, and, and you should use you should use that time in that perspective. I, I wrote a thing, which I just need to see if I answer the question here, um, how to choose what to learn before you die. So I wrote this last summer uh, and this is an experiment. Oh, yeah. yeah. So this is an experiment I did uh, last summer. So it's a thought experiment, but, but I actually like did it. Um, imagine that this will be the last week of your life. You have Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and you will die at the end of Shabbos. Uh, what are you going to learn with whom are you going to learn it? And how are you going to learn it? Okay. And, uh, so I said, my Habrusa was intrigued by the question and started answering when he gave me specific answers. Like I want to continue learning initially with my sister. I affirmed them, but when he gave vague answers, I want to learn areas in Tanakh that have an impact on my life. I demanded specificity. Tell me specifically which topic or text you're going to take up and on which days this week and with which Habrusa and which hours that, you know, so I, I think the, the thought experiment, um, and I wrote more, but I don't think it's relevant to Ellie's question. Um, the thought experiment, uh, forces you to let go of vague notions and make specific plans. And that I think is a good way to reconcile the two, which is when you have infinite time, you know, then you could just make all these like grand plans for the future, you know? And when, um, when you are cognizant that you have a limited amount of time, it forces you to actually commit to specific things, you know, like, and I don't think he's going to mind that I said this, but like, um, when I was, you know, meeting with all you guys at the beginning of the year and talking about goals and stuff. And, you know, Yoshua was telling me about the fact that he's only going to be in yeshiva for this semester. And then one, or not even the whole semester, but in, once he gets married, then he's going to be leaving yeshiva, you know, and I was asking him his goals and plans. He had all these goals and plans. And I, and I asked him like, how many weeks do you think you have of actual yeshiva? And he gave me a number, which was like, I forgot what number he said. And then I said, let's count them together. And we counted the weeks and we saw which weeks were whole and which weeks were like this week was only you know, two and a half days, you know, and then he realized like, oh, I only have 12 weeks, you know, and that shrinks everything and makes you say, well, what am I going to do in those? How am I going to use each of these weeks? You know, um, so I, th- th- that's not fully answering your question, Ellie, but I think that like the awareness of the 
limitedness of the time and the not knowing how much you're going to have should force a certain type of specificity in making plans for the present or for the future, you know, but it's a specificity and it's a plan-based thinking instead of a like vague ambitions-based thinking, you know, like, like you're going to, you're going to, I mean, what's, I'll tell you what's going to happen. Like, you know, first of all, this is going to happen to all of us. Uh, after Sukkot, we're going to find ourselves in yeshiva and be like, oh, I can't believe it's the end of October already. You know, like September, October are gone, you know, and then later on, you're going to be like, oh, it's January, like half the yeshiva is, you know, so, so like, like keeping the time in your mind uh, and knowing that your yeshiva year could be cut short, right? Like, that's another thing, like, exactly, yeah, that happened to, that happened to you, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, a lot of us had that in different ways, right, but um. Yeah. So I, I, th- that's my advice for grappling with attention, which is keeping both perspectives in mind and like using that to create a healthy sense of urgency and planning, you know, but that also helps you focus on the present because of what Chaim said, that's where your idea fits in also, right. you know? Yeah. Probably because this day obviously is like, obviously not obviously, but you're very likely to not die today, but yeah, this day will die today. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I think it's, it's just really hard to navigate that tension, especially for for things that are like long, like longer term. Like yeah. Like you know, I could do this thing that's better for my career. Yeah. Which will help you know set me up better for life. Yeah. But like, it's like all. It's also where it's like hard to weigh exactly. Oh, that reminds me of another piece of advice, which is ask for advice from people who have the same values as you and who have, who are more advanced in years about like what their biggest regrets were about how they use their time, you know, how they've balanced the life work that, ba- you know, like achieved the life work balance, you know, because the only way to get, like, I, I, you know, I, was, I think I said this recently, I, I was talking to Oren about this and like, there's no uh, rule book for this. And every person has a different set of like, career goals and life paths and like, like, you know, uh, how old they are and like when they get married, where they live, you know? So the only way to get like an intuition in this is experience. And since you only get one experience, you got to have vicarious experience by consulting other people, you know? Yeah. And also there's another thing also, this is kind of like the, uh, you know, the unfair thing about like aging, which is that when you are young, you don't realize how precious time is. And then when you get older, you realize how, how quickly it goes by. So like, and there's no way to convey it, you know, uh, really like there's no real way to convey it. Um, uh, like, except like living life and then realizing like, oh man, there goes that 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A little bit about that, about being in Yeah. Going through life chapters helps give you that perspective a little bit. So like, if you're in the chapter now of like, you know, post yeshiva, then, uh, yeah. 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 Okay, we have time for one more question. Yeah, David. Uh, what are your thoughts or I don't know if that kind of phrase is <laughs> um, doing like more better actions throughout the SRD Shabbat in ways that you won't be able to consistently do throughout the year? Say things like, I know there's like the Minhagan we have of like eating Pani Israel or other things that say like if I have an hour now that usually like that, like I have like a free hour and I'm going to spend it on learning instead yeah. of what maybe like during the year I'll like try to spend it on learning, try to spend it on. Like, yeah. So I'm in conflict because I gave a share on this last night. 
Okay. okay. Uh, for my, my, my POK Avalos here for women. And uh, I, I want to give you the idea, but I don't want to spoil it for anyone who wants to listen to the shear. Uh, so I'll give you the category which the shear fits into. Okay. Which is uh, find a new or underused framework for relating to mitzvahs and then do make mitzvah decisions with that framework. Okay. So I'll give you the example without giving the idea is like the Mishnah that I focused on last night was uh, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov says, anyone who does a mitzvah has acquired for himself one, uh, like a defense attorney or advocate. Okay. Uh, what? Uh, yeah. So that was, that was the, uh, yeah. Uh, proclete is the word that they use, uh, which according to the Ram is not an angel. Hmm, interesting. Oh. Um, uh, and then anyone who does an Avera has acquired for himself one Kategor, uh, uh, one uh, accuser or a prosecutor, right? So last night's year was about what that, uh, what that idea was. And I hopefully gave an idea that will allow you to, it's not the way we normally view mitos, and it will help you to... Um, during this year's mitzvah to kind of like supercharge your mitzvah observance when you're like on the fence about whether to do a mitzvah, you can invoke the new framework and then be like, this is a good art because it's about all mitzvahs and averos. This is a good framework for me to like, to spur me on to like, like doing extra mitzvahs or avoiding averos during this time, you know? And like, you know, I know this is a daily goal where like uh, that it should be for you like it was given today, you know, and the shouldn't the missile shouldn't be like an old uh, edict. It should be like a new one. Um, so like, yeah, that's great year round. But like we don't do that year round, you know, so find something like that every uh, and like use that to, to like because whenever you get a new toy, you want to like play play with it a lot, you know, so when you get or a new tool, you know, a new kitchen implement, <laughs> then uh, so like. I think it's a good thing to find like going into this year's Mechuva and then use that to up your mitzvah observance and then it'll fade in time because that's what we do when we're humans, you know. Um, I saw Sheer in, uh, I, 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 I don't know, um, wait, uh, what is it called? YBT Hashkafa? Not YBT Hashkafa. Um, did Rabbi Fader recently give a Sheer on this topic? Yeah. Yeah. Um, September 20th, Tuesday. Uh, September 12th. Oops, I went too far. September... Oh, it's not here. Oh, so maybe it was on ybt.org. Um, something about like refreshing or renewing like your mitzvah, oh, yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. So like, uh, I don't know what he said, but that sounds like the same kind of idea, you know, like find some fresh way to like, uh, uh, to freshen your mitzvahs, you know, fluff the mitzvah pillow. Yeah. <laughs> also, um, there was, uh, I don't know, like, I'm not, I'm not I'm trying to spoil anything. So first I'm going to find you, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, there's also you had me a paper uh, during because I was trust. Oh yes, Joey Lichter's notes on. So, uh, yeah, I'm a Pesach Shir. Yeah. About uh, mafia and Zikronos and Shofar. Yeah. In the Zikronos, <laughs> kind, of, kind of like touches on that question. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, is that a spoiler yeah. for the share? I know it's a, it's a great share, and you should still listen to it, even though we already dove in oh, mafia and Zikronos Oh, for my share. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It is. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but that's another thing. Also, is like you know, use the inyani, the themes of the day, you know to supercharge your mistress. I know that's like not giving you a specific answer and you're looking for a specific way. Um, but like, I mean, I, I could I could give you stuff, but uh, like- I also ask you, not in the practical, but more in the philosophical of that. Is that like a, like, is that like a thought of during us, right? You should have to be doing more of these things. Yeah. And I honestly, in my ignorance, I don't know how much of like a valid thing it is, how much of just like, 
people say like no it's a real thing yeah yeah, yeah. it's um it's the the rambam in the issue i'm giving later on this morning um unless i get hit by a car um is um that he says um oh no it was a uh, i decided to omit it from this morning so it was last night um that so he goes over the weighing of the Zuglis and Avonos, then he goes over the shofar, right? The message of the shofar, keeping the Ramam. Then he goes over the fact that all year round you should see yourself as though you're in the balance and one can tip the scale the other way. Um, that's another one. I can let me just give you my shot on that really quickly. That um, because it's a simple shot. So it sounds like hyperbole, right? You do one mitzvah and it tips yourself and the whole world to the side of a zechus and one avera. But I, I hope you've had this experience that like. You know, and I think it, it occurs much more in learning, uh, at least for me, than other stuff. You're on the fence about whether to go to a shear, and you you go to one shear, and you get an idea that changes your life. You know, so it's not saying I don't think he's saying that every mitzvah you do will change your life. He's saying that you have to view every mitzvah as though it has that capacity. And in fact, I was listening to last year's Stoke Jew podcast, and I quoted an experience that you told me about, where you woke up on. Shabbos late for a Chavrusa and you only had like a few, uh, like 20 minutes left and you were deciding whether or not to go there. And you told yourself, Oh, maybe I won't go because like, I'm just going to get 20 minutes. And you decided to go there. And on the walk there, you had an insight that changed the way that you related to learning for the whole year. And you gained from the learning, you know? So, so, and, and, and the thing is, is like that could tip you and it could tip the people around you and, you know, and one of Vera could do the same thing also, like you can make one bad decision and obviously you can always do tshuva, but like it can like throw your life into a very, very bad, uh, uh, you know, a downward spiral in a certain way, you know? So that's answering your question. That's a framework to think about. And that creates again, an urgency of like increasing the mitzvos. And then to answer your question, because of this idea, right. Of, of the, in the balance, all of uh, right. We, we involve ourselves in mitzvos more than the rest of the year you know, because of this idea. And one more answer to your question is set up a serious made tshuva experiments, which is, I think the idea, one of the ideas of the Pas Yisrael thing, we know we're going to stop keeping Pas Yisrael uh, after a serious made tshuva, but you set up experiments to push yourself out of your comfort zone to prove that you are not addicted, you're not addicted to your, your uh, routines, you know, and you try out different things to see if they do stick for a limited time. Uh, and then, and then, uh, that's that again, Yitzhahara feels very, very intimidated when you make permanent commitments, but saying, oh, I'm just going to dabble in this for a period. And then we can stop that gives it a better, uh, you know, uh, it was like, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'll yeah. yeah. say about, about that example. Yeah. I, um, I've had so many, like times of that's happened. Yeah. I'll, I'll be like, oh, I'm just going to learn. Like, like, oh, maybe I'm going to learn. And I'm like, Okay, I'll just learn for like a couple of minutes, and then like I'm like, whoa. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I feel like I've had this like probably literally dozens of times with going to Rambam Bikias. Yeah, like like yeah. literally dozens. Yeah. Um, where I'm like, like, oh, I don't like, I don't want to go, but then, but but then I do go, and then it's just like. Yeah, and like, you know, and, and again, it, it 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 I think it occurs more in Talmud Torah than other areas, but certain other things also, like you can do one act of tzedakah that like is a pain to do and like that leads to stuff or like the example i started off the year with of like going to the uh, levaya that was in yeshiva that really sent me for the whole like like i can't say for the whole year because we haven't had the whole year yet but like that changed the way i went into the year like going to a levaya on uh you know so like 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have another example. Okay. Me. And then we'll stop because yeah. we're over time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one time I was walking in Manhattan with Aviva and we passed by a poor person. Mm-hmm. And like, I could tell, like, I could tell that like Aviva was like, 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 was like, like, was like no longer thinking about a conversation. Like, so I decided to like just go back and give the, the poor person Sucka. And this like completely changed the way that I'm like, when I when when I'm walking by a poor person mm-hmm. in Manhattan, just like like I'm now just like thinking about how they're a right. person, and, you know. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, and you, and that's the thing is you never know which mice and mitzvah will have that effect. And that's why you have to like, you know, got to catch them all. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all right. Have a good day. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with the financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.